Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. We are dealing primarily with the seven churches of Asia. Jesus Christ from heaven sent a letter specifically to these seven churches of Asia. So the churches are the church of, the church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, the church of Titeria, the church of Pergamos, the church of Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, and the church of Laodicea, according to Revelation chapter 1, verse 11. So he says, these things you are hearing, write into a book and send it to these churches. And then he began to ex- describe himself who he was. So he says that when I turned, I saw. So he described who the personality he had seen. And then so chapter 2, verse 1, he said, Now to the angel or to the messenger, to the messenger of the church of Ephesus, write, these things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. All right, so as I said earlier on, anytime he was about to speak to a particular church, he speaks in a capacity as a particular personality. All right, so he in a, gives a particular descriptive of himself. So he said when he, when he was about to speak to the church of Ephesus, he spoke and he describes or introduces himself as these things say, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the golden, uh, seven golden lampstands. Then he starts to tell them, verse 2, that I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested, tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found, have found them liars. So it tells you there are people who say they are apostles, there are people who say they are pastors, there are people who say they are evangelists and actually are not. And he says that you have tested. So you have to test every spirit according to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Test all spirits. Don't just take everything hook, lime, and sinker. Test everything. So in John, it says that, um, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. People, prophets, people who are purporting to be speaking on God's behalf, but God hasn't sent them. That's a false prophet. So he doesn't have to predict things. He just has to present himself as a spokesperson of God when he has not got a message from God. But has his own message or, or a message from the enemy or a message for politicians or a message for humanity or like a humanist message. It's, if you are a prophet of God or a servant of God, an agent of God, you must have a message. So because Romans chapter 10 says that how can they preach except they be sent? Romans 10, 16. Oh, no, verse 15, rather. Um, yeah, verse 16. And how, 15, and how shall they preach unless they be sent? So for you to have something to say, you must be sent. So preachers are supposed to preach a message that isn't theirs. 
Every genuine, every genuine prophet must preach a message or must declare a message that does not belong to him. He's like a courier man. If I come to drop a letter in your house from me, I write a letter and come and drop it in your house. I'm not a courier man. I just came with my message. But a courier man or a newscaster is supposed to be reading news that he's not generating. And a gospel, the gospel is good news. So preachers are supposed to be preachers of the good news of God. So God is Reuters <laughs> news agency. And God gives us the news that is happening for us to say it. So in Romans chapter 1, I talked about this a few weeks ago. In Romans chapter 1, it says that separated unto the gospel of God. Romans chapter 1 from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel. Whose gospel? The gospel of God. It's not the gospel of man. He, he, he does not come with his own gospel. He came with the gospel of God. So he says that there are people who have gone out into the world in the name of God, but they, don't, they, are not, they have not been sent by God. People who look at the way preachers are preaching, they think that this is nice. I'm a, I'm a good orator, and I think I under, I've been in church a little, a, a, a little while, and I understand. Actually, they even sign up to go to theological seminaries and finish their seminaries and almost like they've been to cemetery. And they come and they don't have a message because seminary does not give you a message. It may help you to prepare a sermon. There's a difference between a sermon and a message. A sermon without a message makes you very likely, makes you like a false prophet. <laughs> so he said, people, you have tested, tested those who claim to be apostles and you have found them to not, not to be? Is it a good virtue? Yes. Good virtue to test people. And don't just, listen, people who just come and say, I have a revelation, I have a, don't believe them. Don't believe them. So it says that you have test, tested those who call themselves apostles or um, you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not been weary. So nice. People have done this. People have done this. They have labored for God's name's sake. <laughs> they have labored for God's name's sake and they have not been tired. Do, you do every little, little you do, you want the whole world to stop for, for you to be given an applause, a standing ovation, because you have done something in church. You have come early. <laughs> You've come early. You've come to set up. You have been part of the choir, and you are always regular singing. Anytime you are given an opportunity to do anything in God, in church, consider it a very big privilege because it can still go on without you. Anytime you are given something to do in church, don't see it as a chore. See it as an, a big honor. <laughs> Bible says in Acts chapter 5 verse 41, can you imagine they counted it a big honor for being given whips. 
for, for being given lashes, suffering. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer. No, not worthy to work, worthy to suffer. For Christ's name, they were even worthy to suffer. That means that to suffer for Christ, you are, it's a big privilege. A privilege that God should count you worthy. Join me in the suffering. It's a big privilege, let alone to do something. So if you haven't suffered for Christ, it looks like you haven't joined the elite, God's elite team. Mm-hmm. Paul told Timothy, join with me. Don't be ashamed of me. Second Timothy chapter 2, sorry, Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. Be not ashamed of me, of the gospel of Christ, the testimony of our Lord Jesus, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Share with me. Join it. Philippians chapter 1. Sorry, Colossians chapter, yeah, Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 says that it's not given to you only to believe, but also to suffer for his name. But to you it's not been granted on behalf of Christ, not, it's been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also, people don't see this one when they are reading the Bible. They only see breakthroughs. They only see, I receive, I receive. See this one. You are a believer, you might also be a sufferer. Being a believer entitles you, to, entitles you to being a sufferer. <laughs> being a sufferer. <laughs> Praise God. So, so, suffer. Be eager to go through a suffering process. Your friends abandon you, that's okay. Your boyfriend left you, that's even better. he left you at least you have peace of mind yes. hallelujah Amen. so people will leave you some of you you may even lose your job because you choose to maintain the testimony of Christ if you want to remain a Christian you will lose fame if you want popularity join one of those latest religions because it is not politically correct to be Christian Meanwhile, we preach the gospel of freedom, good news. But truth to, to it, it's certain elements of the Christian community who I doubt if I can even comfortably call them church. It's nominal church, it's not the true church. Who have attacked society with uh, commandments attack society with religious demands. So that's what religion does. Religion imposes laws on people. You have to behave like this. You have to do this. You are not supposed to like this. You are not supposed to have sex. You are not supposed to be free. You are not supposed to eat here. You are not supposed to do it. It's like laws. That's what the Pharisees were doing to the extent that they now even the, the greatest enemy to Christianity in its inception was the, from the synagogue. It's from the, ma, ma, uh, John chapter 16 verse 2. Jesus actually said it. Look at what Jesus said. He said, they will put you out of the synagogue. Yes, the time was. <laughs> so even if they are putting Paul out of the synagogue, how much more work? They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that 
whoever kills you will think that he offers God. This is Jesus talking. No, this is Jesus talking. And would you know, look at verse 1. Let's get in the context. Look at verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Why? Because a time is coming when they'll put you out of the synagogue and when they are killing you, they think that's when they are doing God's service. So Paul, in his own words, Paul, in his own well, in his own words, in Acts chapter 26, I think from verse 27, 28, or 24, somewhere there, he said he even sought permission, went for permission, chasing the believers to foreign countries and bringing them to prison, and bringing them to prison. And he says that when they were being killed, he gave his witness to them. Yes. Acts chapter 26 in the 20s. You know, Acts chapter 26. Therefore, having, no, 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 it's more, you move forward, not having obtained help from God. It's, he said he was killing believers. Paul, thinking he was doing God's service. So, that's how Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that all who will live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. So, suffering persecution it's normal as a Christian. Sometimes it can come from your own family. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Your own family, your own cronies, your own best friends, your own colleagues, your own neighbors. Once you decide to go Christian direction, expect persecution. But you know what has happened in our modern days? The message has been twisted around so that Christianity, especially among certain communities, is just based on freedom, liberty, prosperity, and enjoyment of life. So getting more cars, getting more houses, if some, most, some, even if they get, they'll, get, they'll marry more. More wives. But it's just that it's, not, it's so fundam- fundamental in Christianity that people can go down, dire- down that direction. Being a Christian is all about what you are giving, what you are dying for. What you are sacrificing. He said, take your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. That's what he said. He says that, he says that you have to lose mother, father, friends, wife, children, brother, sister, in this world, and you gain it. He said, in fact, we have been called to lose our lives. According to John, no, Matthew chapter 16, after Jesus rebuked Peter. So, verse 25, 26. Yeah, look at verse 25 and 26. And 20, look at it. Matthew 16. For, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Go to the next verse. Look at this. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? Now, we have brought people, we are in, in, attracting people to church for them to gain the world. So much of our testimonies is so much about gain. It's not bad in itself, but it shouldn't be the foundation. Christianity, Bible says that gain, gain is not godliness. First Timothy chapter 6. He said these people suppose that gain is godliness. Gain is not godliness, rather the other way around. He said godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 7, for we did not bring anything to the world, and it is certain we will not take anything out of the world. He said, from such who suppose, he said, turn away from them. People who teach these things, turn away from them. People who, 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 uh, 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 this is their philosophy in life. 
There are, there are churches started by good men of God, genuine people. But sometimes the society, the problem of the society becomes the problem of the church. So that the church, the, the church is so infiltrated, is so infiltrated by the world. Now that the, the doctrine, fundamental doctrine or philosophy of the church is, is become the same thing as the pursuit of the world. What people in the world are pursuing is what we're actually teaching about. So we are teaching about things, how to live um, <laughs> dangers of financial, how to, uh, how to enjoy your, your life, how to live a life and a glorious family life. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes the focus of Christianity, it's a problem. It's a problem. That is when the church loses its efficacy. The church becomes useless when we try to attract the society. We, are have, we, want, to, we want to change our message or re, repackage our message to be, watch this, this is the key word, to appeal to the world. That is dangerous. That is crazy. That is crazy. How can a, a rat dance so well that the cat is impressed? Ah. <laughs> no, you're dancing. It's just me. Yeah. So magnificently that a hungry lion begins to clap. <laughs> we want to make the world our friends. That's why we preach messages that mute. It mutes suffering. It mutes suffering from Christianity. Yeah. But suffering is an intrinsic part of Christianity. Mm. Don't mute suffering. Yeah. Suffering is an intrinsic... Suffering for what? Not unnecessary suffering. Suffering for his name. Let's, let's, let's qualify it. It's an, it's, it's an essential part of Christianity. It took suffering for Christianity to be birthed. It takes suffering for it to, to be sustained. It takes suffering. So he says, that's why the, the scripture I quoted earlier in Colossians chapter 1, <laughs> verse 24. He said, I rejoice in my suffering for you and I fill up in my body what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Mm. So Christ's suffering, something is left. Christ didn't finish everything. He left some behind. Yes, he left some for us. So once you become a Christian, you also take your share. You take your cross. That's why take your cross, follow me. Deny yourself. Take your cross and follow me. A lot of people who complain, a lot of people who complain in church is because they, are, they have not denied themselves. You've come to church with yourself. You want to be treated as a customer. You want to be treated as a client. Meanwhile, you, you, you claim to be a family member. <laughs> when... When you go home, you don't expect your family members to treat you like a visitor or a client. Yeah, your, 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 your mom is professional chef. But when you come home, she will not be serving you like at, she's at the restaurant. Go to the kitchen. You are home now. Go to the kitchen. And eat as much as you can. Am I communicating something? Yes. Because there's a problem. The reason why Christianity is losing its voice is because suffering Christians are getting lost, are getting missing, are getting ruled. There are no suffering Christians, people suffering for the cross. 
You can't have a voice for Christ if you try to dodge suffering for him. I am not saying that just go in town making reckless, irresponsible decisions and say I'm suffering for Christ. A lot of people, some people do that. But that's not what I mean. Just continue holding the testimony of Christ. As you bear the testimony of Christ, the suffering will come by itself. <laughs> it will come. Why is it coming? Because it is coming to silence that. So Bible says that they were they were they were warned not to preach in Christ's name. They actually they actually warned them. They they look at Acts chapter four, verse one, two, and I think verse three. Acts chapter four. Now as the people, as they spoke to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Can you imagine? And then what did they do? <laughs> Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in the uh, uh, preach, preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Do you see that? Look at the death verse three. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. They put them in custody. They, they were preaching. The, the authorities of the temple, it is not outside. It's the religious bodies that came. Hey, these guys are preaching to the people. No, let's arrest them. They arrest them, and they arrested them. And one of the verses says that, and they severely warned them not to preach in that name. Yeah, that's it. They severely threatened, they tra- they, that's 17. They threatened them. They severely threatened them that f- uh, uh, from now on, they speak to no man in this name. That's where the suffering was coming from. The suffering was coming from the gospel they were preaching not the gossip they were doing. So suffering for the name of Christ. All right. So, <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What? This boy called David Henry. Labored for my name's sake, and I've not been weary. Nevertheless, I, verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Oh. Everybody say first love. first love. We're going to come back to it in a minute. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen. Ah, living first love means a fall. Right. Your passion for Jesus is necessary. When Jesus went into the temple and they were buying and selling in the temple, and he took, he took his time, went home, and uh, he took his time and went and made a whip. Yeah, made a whip. He made it. Bible said he made it. He made a whip. When he came back, when he came back and whipped them. In John chapter two, I'm talking about John chapter two from verse eleven. After he multiplied, sorry, after he turned water into wine, the next thing is he went to the temple to go and whip people. <laughs> 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 and uh, and he, did you see that when he had made a whip of cords so he took different cords and then made the whip he didn't buy he made it as I told you last week when he was made, making them I'm sure he was whistling <laughs> he said this before and then he tried it and see. 
God, it is good. They put it. He made whips. You will say that, oh, but we have come to church. Why is the pastor so strict? If someone is even messing up in the church, uh, we should let's love them. And hey, you haven't seen First Corinthians five five. That's why you are talking the way you are talking. You know what First Corinthians five five says? Let's already out. Let's go. <laughs> On the day of the day, is a believer already. But the way he's going recklessly, let's deliver him to Satan. So that the flesh will be destroyed by himself, he'll be saved. Is that, does that sound like love? The worldly definition of love. Jesus made whip and went to the church and whipped people out of church. The point I'm making is, Jesus went to church to go and whip out those who came with the purpose. They came to set a store. They set it up. They are coming to sell. No, they are not coming to worship the temple. They came and set it up. So he went there and took a whip and whipped them over through their table. So what I'm doing, I'm just trying to overthrow some money tables. <laughs> overthrow it. I don't know everybody will appreciate the club, but that's okay. Bible says that, and his disciples remembered, or they knew it was written, that the zeal of your house has consumed me, has eaten me up. That's the quote from the Psalms. They knew the scripture. This man is fulfilling scripture. That what he came and did, they, they could tell that this is zeal for God's house. I can't allow things to go wrong in God's house. Passion, first love. Wow. Claim you have love for God, and things are going wrong in the house, and you can't be bothered. Because of your personal whims and caprices, and personal opinions, and personal feelings. You are a gifted person, your gift can serve a church where you are feeding from. But you can't be bothered. It's like a shoplifter. The church you feed the word of God from, you must serve there. It's not, it's not Christianity. To just go into a church, sit down and go out, sit down and go out, and you call yourself a Christian and a member of the body of Christ, you must serve in the church you feed spiritually from. You must. You must, you must contribute. You must, even the nation, we all pay taxes. Oh, my pastor, I give my offering, I give my, fine, money, anybody at all can give money. You can't say I have my children, I give them chop money, I make sure they are, but you don't have interaction with them, you don't, you don't take care of them yourself. It's so nice when you see a father play with their children or his children. The, the children like that more than eating in restaurants with them. So, listen, may I tell you, if you are gifted, if you can do something and you, you call yourself a member of this church and you don't have your Activities, your service doesn't have a bearing on this church. Something is wrong spiritually. Because where you feed spiritually from, you must give. I'm not talking about money. Resources and your human abilities. God has given you ability. Give your, yeah, thank you for that scripture. They gave themselves to us first before their money followed. You must do something. I don't care about your reasons for not doing anything. It's unchristian. You have to. Let's serve him because God is going to judge you based on your service. 
you can't serve in a church you are in, find a church you can serve in and call that place my church and serve. Do something. Do something. You have some giftings, you have some abilities, and oh, but I've been trying. No one is trying to, no one, those people who, that mantra, no one is trying, but others keep getting something to do. It's a love issue. It's a love issue. Bible says that your, the heart of many, because iniquity shall abound. Matthew chapter, 20, chapter 24, verse 12. Because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. It's a love issue. It's a love issue. That's why when you even attempt to talk about things like this, people without love for God, without a heart for God, end up getting offended. But I told you the gospel offense, and we are ready to suffer for the gospel. Yeah. That's right. Anyone watching me and listening to me, and you, you are a serious Christian, you must be part of activities in your church. Give to the church. Do something. I'm talking about, do something. Save. Find a way of saving. Find a way of saving. It says that I suffer. I'm, I rejoice in my suffering for you. And it says that filling up in my body, your body must fill it, not in my pocket. Filling up in my body. What is love? Filling up in my flesh. Some translation is the word body, my flesh. Your body. What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. You must you physically feel it. Physically, you must feel you are doing something. You do. It says that present your bodies as a living sacrifice, not your money. Romans chapter 12. He said, I beseech you therefore by the message of God that you present your body, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. It's not just about money, it's your body. Am I preaching a Christian message? It's your body. Your body must do God's work. You must pay in your body. The pain and the challenges. When we talk about your body, it includes your emotions. Oh. Every time your emotions spoil every meaningful thing you try to do in life, in your relationships. Possibly that's why relationships haven't worked the way it should work, or possibly situations at home is like the way it is, or at work. Because you are too given to your emotions. Wow. Once your emotions say north, you go north. Once your emotions say southeast, you go southeast. So you, 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 you are, you are, your decisions are emotive decisions. No, you will ruin your life. You will ruin your life. You can't do anything on a sustained basis or be committed to something on a sustained basis when your emotions are raining, ruling. Emotions can be, a, 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 it's, your emotion is a bad master. Don't let your emotions dictate how, what you should do. Other than that, you would never survive in any meaningful relationship. Maybe I'm telling you, the reason why your relationship has, haven't worked is possibly this your emotional thing. Once you're upset, you don't care. Once you're upset, whoever raised you like that has not helped you. That's why in, in this our church, we, this month is a month of discipleship. And missions. So discipleship is like mentorship. Yeah. It's not. It's not pandering to. Uh, it is making you, directing you, right. p- 
putting you on the course of growth, on the course of development, on the course of life, so that after a while, your life, the profit out of your life, the profit stemming out of your life is, is adorable, is commendable, is something to write home about. That's Christianity. It's not about God, give me, give me. He has given everything already. That's right. That's right. And now as you yield yourself to him, he takes care of you as you are doing what he wants. So that's when you can command God. But remember, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 2, verse 9, he said, No eye has seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of any man what God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared for those who love him. What God has prepared for those who love him. Your love. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these things? If you love me, it must convert into what you do for the church. Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me more than these things? He said, that more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know. Jesus said, feed my lamb. Three times, feed. Because God, Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. So it's a love thing. Now, he said that you have tested those who call themselves prophets and they are false prophets. You found them false. You have not tolerated people who are evil. You have persevered. You've had patience. You have said you have labor. I know your works and I know your labor. No, these are great virtues that people had. Then the, because you have left your first love. And he said that, because you have, verse, verse five, Remember, remember therefore from where you are falling. Repent. Say repent. Repent. Oh, ah, the place is now very quiet. Repent. Say repent. Repent. Okay, preach. Can you join me in the preaching? Yes. You are a prophet now. About the moment. Prophesy is to speak the word. So preach to somebody. Tell them. Maybe what you are saying is the exactly what the person. Tell the person repent. Repent. Look at their faces and tell them repent. Repent. What is repentance? In fact, when Jesus showed up, when Jesus showed up, the first thing he said that uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. Matthew, I think Matthew chapter four verse seventeen. In Mark chapter Mark chapter one verse fifteen, John the Baptist, when he showed up in town, the first thing he says that repent for the kingdom of God is near, is at hand. In Matthew chapter chapter three verse two, the same thing. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So repentance is necessary. When Peter finished preaching the gospel. To, uh, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? The Bible said they were cut to the heart, verse 37, and they said, what shall we do? And Peter said in verse 38, repent. Oh, he, he said, Peter said to them, repent. So repentance is necessary. What's repentance? Repentance is a change of mind which leads in a change, uh, to a change of pursuit. So you are pursuing something. That's what has become your focus. Your heart is after it. You are going, and then repentance, you change your mind, but not just the mind, it also changes your direction, what you are pursuing. So if you repent, you will start pursuing what you were not pursuing. Let the things of God be your pursuit. So God, Jesus said, you are falling from your first love. Repent. Watch this, the scary one. Repent. Repent from repent and do the first works. In other words, when you are when you are in love, how many of you realize that when you are really genuinely in love, a lot of things don't matter anymore? 
a lot of things no matter. Years ago, I discovered that love generates wisdom. Wisdom. What does it mean, love generates? You know when you are really in love with somebody? A lot of things don't matter. When you love somebody and you go, you go to a restaurant, you want them to eat first or you know, pick first. If they, just, okay, you can have it. <laughs> I'm just telling you, advising you, watch all these signs of genuine love. Usually when the Bible talks about love is patience, love is kind, love is pure, you know, there are, are characteristics of love. There are characteristics of love. When you, you, when you love, a lot of things really don't become an issue anymore. Usually it's husbands and wives, they easily fight over everything. Everything and now, so he says that you have left your first love. I, it's actually, I've actually preached first love again. You have left your first, let me tell you something. Okay, so he says that, remember therefore from whence you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Say lampstand. Lampstand. Unless you repent. If you don't repent, I will remove the lampstand from its place. That's what Jesus said. Repent, else I'll remove the lampstand. The lampstand is the church. It's the witness of the testimony of Jesus. That's actually what I'm supposed to be preaching on, the testimony of Jesus. And then look at the verse um, seven. Verse seven. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And last week I spoke extensively about he who has an ear. Your ear must be bought. Your ear, your ear must be touched. <clears throat> I think let me just round up on the ear thing and then the next time I'll go on the testimony of Jesus because if I attempt that it will take a bit more time because it's going to the testimony of Jesus is amazing on the lampstand the life but let's, let's see said the ear I was just studying further and I discovered that um, as I told you last week Exodus chapter 21 verse 6 when a slave chooses to serve when a slave chooses to serve his master permanently, he says that let the master bring him to the judge. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear. Say pierce his ear. So piercing the ear also means bore a hole in the ear. Or it means, so some translations will say open the ears. So it's the same thing. To, bore, to drill the ear, to pierce the ear. Why? A slave who is, been, is now serve his term, he's supposed to go. He said, I want to serve my master. He said, okay, if you want to serve him, then bring him and pierce his ear. Why the ear? Because it takes the ear to obey. So you need your ear pierced so that you can stay in obedience even though you are a free man under him. Once you are free, you know, when you are free, you are on your own. Sometimes I'm on my own. I don't want anybody to bother me now. Yeah. So your ears must be bored. All right. So the psalmist said, Lord, open my ear. The, the Hebrew word translated, open my ear, Psalm 40, verse 6. It is, Lord, bore my ear, touch my ear. The same thing that happens in the, in the book of Exodus. Sacrifice and offerings you did not um, desire. My Ears you have opened. Did you see that? 
Open means you are bored. You have, why do you need an open ear? My ear, burnt offerings and sin offering, you did not. Give me King James. King James. You did not, like he said, sacrifices and offerings thou didst not desire. My ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offering hast thou not required. Now, that word opened also means, watch this, prepared. Why do you have to prepare the ears? So he can take instructions and obey. God said, I'm not interested in sacrifices. I'm interested in obedience. So for me to do anything with you, I require your obedience. First Samuel chapter, chapter um, 15, verse 22. He said, oh, uh, then Samuel said, Samuel said, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as a sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice to hacken, to hacken than the, the, uh, the fat of rams. So obeying God is more, 1 Samuel 15, 22, is more important than sacri- bringing sac- loads of sacrifices. Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17, he says that, it says that, for thou, des- thou desirest not sacrifices, else I would give it. Thou delight not in burnt offerings. That's not God's focus. You are giving offering, I'm giving my time. It's not his biggest focus. What is his focus? Go to the next verse. Sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. If your heart, a heart of obedience, God will not despise it. God will not despise the genuine heart. But you can, in fact, in, I think, in Micah 6, 6. Yeah, Micah 6, 6. He was saying some serious things in Isaiah 1, 11. Micah 6, 6, what does it say? Wherein shall I come before the Lord, bow myself before the most high? Shall I come before him with men's offerings, with, with, with cows of a year? Or go to the next verse. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands, thousands of rams? or with 10,000 of rivers of oil, and shall I not give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin? Uh, shall, shall, shall I give the for, uh, uh, sins of my soul? Go to the next verse and see. He has, he has showed thee, O oh man, what is good and what... This big sacrifices is not what moves God. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 11, it's not what moves God. The one, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, he said, listen, in fact, the one, no, translation, one of the places said, take, take it away from me, don't bring it to me, I don't want it. He said, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto the Lord? Say the Lord, I am full of your burnt offerings, and, uh, uh, burnt offerings of ram and the fat of the, the fed beast, and I delight not in blood of bullock or, or, or of lambs or of goats. He said, this is not what I'm looking for. What does he require? Obedience. So he says that to obey is better, better than sacrifice. To obey God is better than giving fat offerings. To obey God is better than giving big, big tithe and giving 30%, 50% tithing. And meanwhile, you are walking in disobedience. Wow. wow. So God says that, he said that sacrifices you have no interest, but you bore my ears, you open my ears. So when he says that they that have ears, let them hear. God is talking about your ears being bored, your ears being your ear being drilled so that the hole can work. 
Jesus Christ, watch this. Jesus Christ, when he came on earth, he had to be obedient. And so, let, let me show you something. This is very interesting. You see, in Psalm 40, verse 6, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou hast desired. My ears has thou opened. Let's all say, My ears that has thou opened. Oh, say it louder, please. It also means my ears have doubt prepared. Or you have bought my ear. How does the uh, amplifier put it? Let's see if our amplifier put it any different. You have given me the capacity to hear and obey your law or more valuable service than burnt offering. So my ear, you have the capacity. You have bought my ears. You have opened my ears. And King James again said, you have prepared. One of the translations we use, my ears have you prepared. Very interesting. My ear has thou prepared. Now watch this. Watch this. They quoted this text, this scripture for Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5. Therefore, wherefore, because of that, when he cometh into the world, he said, Jesus said, sacrifices or offering thou would not, but a body has thou prepared for me. He was quoting from Psalm 40. So he said, when Jesus came on earth, this is his philosophy in life, sacrifices and offerings, thou were not interested. That is not your biggest focus. But you have prepared a body. But when you read the psalm, it didn't say a body. It said the ear. So Jesus was saying that a prepared ear is the same as a prepared body. A prepared ear. That is why Paul said that Jesus, oh, Hebrews chapter, Philippians chapter 2 verse 7. He, he did not count it equality, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, you see, as a slave. A servant, that's the same as slave. And was made, like the, uh, was made in the likeness of men. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Became what? Why did he become? Because he has been prepared. It's not the sacrifices God is looking for, but a prepared ears. Open ears that will obey God. Other than that, we'll be preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. You see, I, God, prophet, I'm telling you, I knew what I did was prophetic. God prophetically tried to protect your marriage. But because your ears are not open, you, you, you still can't be bothered. Closed ears. People come to church with closed ears. I see, I see people suffering. And I can tell where the problem is coming. When you point them that direction, they tell you, ah, but me, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. This is how I, I plan to do, and this, that, and this, that. They always explain their position against what you are pointing them to do. They always explain their position. And so sometimes what do you do? Just leave people. It should be your biggest prayer that bore my ears. And he said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Spirit is always saying. So when you read through our Revelation, you hear, in Re this is Revelation chapter 2 verse 7, Revelation chapter 2 verse 11, the Spirit says, Revelation chapter 2 verse 17, the Spirit says, Revelation chapter 2 verse 29, the Spirit says, Revelation chapter 3 verse 6, the Spirit says, Revelation chapter 3 verse 13, the Spirit says, Revelation chapter 3 verse 22, the Spirit says, Revelation chapter 22 verse 17, the Spirit and the bride says, the Spirit keeps saying, the Spirit keeps saying, the Spirit keeps saying. So instead 
of listening to the Spirit, what the Spirit is saying, we explain it away. And we entrench ourselves in our own position and say that God understands. God understands why I don't give tithe. God understands why, as for me, I have never been able to come to church early. God understands why it's okay. It's okay to be living with that man, even though he's got a wife. God, God understands. Sometimes people don't realize that a lot of things you do in life later on comes to bite you. No, mishaps don't just happen. Most of the things that people suffer in their later days is the things they have sown, the seeds they have sown. God understands. Be responsible. Give me, he said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then he said, to him who overcomes. So cows always come with promise and warning. Revelation, all the seven churches, every church had a warning and a promise. So he said, to him who overcomes. Overcoming what? Someone asked me that question. What's the overcoming about? Overcoming the degradation. Overcoming the cold-heartedness. Overcoming the situation you just described. I have something against you. You have lost your first life. He who overcomes that, what happens to you? To him that overcomes, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That's loaded, but my time is up now. I would have, how many of you would have loved to hear about paradise? So when people die, where do they go at the moment? What happens? What's Shoal? What's Hades? When people die, is there an inter... Where? What happens? Is it the same paradise that is talking about this? What is it? Do you want me to tell you next time? Yeah, I'll talk... Possibly next week, I'll talk... Not next week, but I'll talk about it the next time. But let it suffice to say that he who overcomes... He will let... And he who overcomes, what will happen to you? You'll be given to eat of the tree of life, life supply. Until you have the life supply, this is where I was supposed, until you have the life supply, you cannot shine. And until you start to love the Lord and enjoy him, you can't have the life supply. And it is the life supply that makes you shine for him. Your testimony of Jesus is a function of the life that is coming into you, which is the light. And the life won't come if your love and your connectivity, your affection towards him is low. So when you begin to build the love for him and you're beginning to enjoy Jesus, enjoy Jesus, and loving Jesus, what happens is that he begins to supply. That's why, see, the Bible is not for doctrine fundamentally. The, the Bible is for nourishment. The scriptures are not for, fundamentally for doctrines. It's profitable for doctrine. But fundamentally, the scriptures are for nourishment. Matthew 4, 4, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word from the mouth of the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, 13, and 14, it talks about that you need, um, Hebrews chapter 5, for, for when the time, uh, when for, for when from the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which are the first principles of the oracles of God and have become such as need milk and not strong. Ah, I thought you were talking about teaching. The teaching is actually milking or feeding. Jesus' interest is not to teach us. His interest is to feed us. That's a strong thing. I'm, I'm, some of you, it will take some time to get it. Church, we come to church to feed, not just for teaching. We come to church to feed Christ, feed, be nourished in Christ. 
to feed. Paul's desire, he said that when I came to you, mm. first Corinthians, <laughs> first Corinthians chapter three, verse two, he said, when I came to you, first Corinthians chapter three, verse two, he said, now, I, not, yeah, he said, not with meat. So Paul's chief assignment was to feed the people, not to, to teach them. God wants us to feed. That is what determines your, your growth. Jesus, sir, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. If you don't eat me, you don't have life. He wants us to feed on him. So he said, if, you, if your love is in place, you end up actually feeding on him as the tree of life, which God put in the garden of Eden for them to eat. They didn't eat it because they messed up. So God protected the garden of Eden. And when we go to heaven, the Bible says that he who overcomes, and Revelation 22, verse 14, Revelation 22, 14, he says that blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have the right to the tree of ah, this tree of life that came from Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, is still in the Revelation. Last book of the Bible is still there. It's valid for someone to eat. So he says that in your lifetime, if your love with Christ, for Christ, your first love is in place, what happens is that you start to eat before we even get there. You have to love God. You can't enjoy God if you don't love him. If you are just in to use God, you can't enjoy him. for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Charis Ministries. Stay blessed.